Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Gas Station Podcast Network encourages you to join us at the pumps every Thursday at 9 for the weekly offerings from Yodlin Yake from Balsam Lake. Jake Keller or Yodlin Yake will help you find the break and the leap you'll make from your chest voice to your head voice, yodeling like a Swiss dairy farmer in no time. As you fill your tank, you'll be taught some pro tips and you'll be serenaded by some of the Midwest's finest yodelers to both entertain and inspire you as you gas up and grab snacks. Plan your refueling stop well and enjoy Yodlin Yake from Balsam Lake this Thursday. You'll be glad you did. From the glow of downtown St. Paul's famous number one, welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the loons call out among moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee and get a line in the water. This is Cabin Country. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstad and Fudd Klugman with another Woodland Escape. Okay, Bjorn, am I, am I dreaming, or was our show just introduced by Tim Russell and Sue Scott from A Prairie Home Companion? You are not dreaming, Fudd. They are indeed sitting with us right here, I, in person. I can't believe Tim, it. Tim, Sue, thank you for joining us here in Cabin Country. Our pleasure. Yes, great oh, to be here. Thank you so much. I mean, we are humbled... We are humbled. We are humbled. We are Mere novices yes. who uh, aspire to to accomplish a tenth of what you have in your great careers. So, now for those of you listening, uh, if you were one of the f- over four million listeners who tuned into a Prairie Home Companion each week, you heard Sue and Tim doing countless characters on the show. Who are some of the better known be characters on the, the Prairie Home Companion? Yeah, dropping by the studio. I did a lot of dead celebrity voices. <laughs> left us a long the time ago. Surprises they That's right. The door, yeah. And I didn't have any regular characters except for the ketchup advisory board guy. Yes. These are the good times <laughs> to have a bowl of ketchup on your well, linguine. Well, there was pops. Oh, yeah, that's right. There was Pops in the... Story uh, of Bob. The story of Bob, right. the young artist. <laughs> right, and I was Bernice. Oh, how about some more cheesy potatoes, Bob? <laughs> oh, I think Rex the dog ate the cheesy potatoes. Oh, Pop, now look at him. He's going to go poop on everything. <laughs> that's not good. 
And of course, Mom is one of uh, yeah. the most uh, popular characters on the program. Dwayne, yes. honey, it's your mother calling. Yes. Mom? Yeah. And you were dad. Yes, you, yes were, you were dad. Yeah, I was a very uh, phlegmatic character. <laughs> kind of monosyllabic. Actually, uh, he at one time wrote, he being Garrison Keillor, wrote a couple of scripts using dad as a, a foil before, you know, the mom series really took off. Yeah. I think one of them was in a fishing boat. They were both out fishing, yeah. uh, being very uh, taciturn, uh-huh. not wanting to speak to each other <laughs> as father right. and son. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, Minnesota right. feel to it. Yeah. I think there were some Father's Day, time, there were some Father's Day shows where. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Dad. It's uh, it's me, Carson. Yo. I just uh, called to wish you a happy Father's Day. So. Oh, oh yeah, right. Okay. It's this uh, this weekend. Is that right? Yep. Well, thanks for the reminder. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, called to say hello. So. Hello. Yeah. Oh yeah, Fred Farrell would be another character. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Fred Farrell and the end. What was the Fred Farrell thing? And the <laughs> it's, like, okay. it's been a few years. Fred Farrell's oh, Wild hello. Animal Calls. Oh, that's and it. That would be an opportunity for Tom, Tom Keith and Fred Newman to do a long series of, of uh, animal calls, including the ungulates, which would be the deer and the antelope and the elk, and they all sounded the same. <laughs> and except the elk. Hi, Phil. Yeah. Hi, Phil. How you doing? Hi, Phil. This is Fred Farrell. Nature is full of pesky creatures. It'll drive you nuts if you try to exterminate them. So why not bend them to your will and get them to do stuff? Bats, for example. See, bats uh, can be a major pest. They leave bat droppings all over and they suck the lifeblood from your children. Well, that's no good. There was Ruth Harrison. The library. Reference library. Right. Reference library. Right. Reference library. Yes. And thank yes. you very much. There is a difference. And, and, uh, and then there was uh, Trent or Brent, depending on who was working on the yeah. show, Fred or Tom or myself. We, or we Kent. Know. Or Kent. Kent. Golly, Miss Harrison. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Trent. Huh? Uh, take off that iPod, please. This isn't fun time. I was listening to an audio book, Miss Harrison. Oh, audio books are for people driving in cars. What, are you too lazy to... Pick up a book in your own two hands. Well, I was eating a sandwich. Both of you have CDs. They were put out a little while ago. Yes. Uh, the Man of a Thousand Faces, or, uh, or Voices. Right. <laughs> My face is changing daily. <laughs> Actually, that might be a good that might be a good relaunch. You know, instead of a Man of a Thousand Faces. Yeah. <laughs> well, with YouTube. Uh, yeah. Uh, but there are a couple of uh, CDs and and. Um, Sue Scott's Seriously Silly. Right. You seriously were about to say silly. that, I'm sure. So I, I was. was going to jump right in with there. that. You yeah, see, exactly. that's, that's what's fun about doing this show. I, don't, I can just prompt, yeah. and you guys can take over. Okay, good. <laughs> anyway, there was a great one with Mom calling Dwayne, and it was about helping Dad put in the dock, which is so perfect cabin country. Well, now, your dad and I were just talking about going up to the cabin. I mean, it's Memorial Day weekend. Right, huh? right. You know? More of that, yes. Right. So we were going to open up the cabin, maybe put the dock in. But, you know, I suppose we could hire someone to come up and do it for us, you know. So. Sort of busy this weekend. Oh, I... of course you are. Well, well I mean, I... I assumed you would be, honey, well, and that's just fine. You know what? We don't have to put the dock in. I mean, we don't even need to keep the cabin, for goodness sake, oh. honey. I mean, you know, we only keep it because we thought, well, maybe someday. You know, if you should ever have a family, oh. you know, you might like to take them there. Huh? Mother, you know. I mean, we only bought the cabin for you 40 years ago. Right. Huh? The guilt, you know, the uh, uh, passive-aggressive Minnesota yeah. nice thing. Yeah. When did that 
strong Minnesota accent come into your characters? Or was well, that from the beginning? Or I, I'm not from Minnesota. Oh. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> well. I grew up, I should say. I was actually yes. born in California, but I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I claim that as my hometown. Absolutely. And uh, I do have, I do have I have family that was originated here in Minneapolis, but that's I came here for theater. Mm-hmm. So I had the the um, uh, the pleasure of moving up here and hearing the Minnesota accent, so to speak, really strongly. Uh-huh. And I had all sorts of friends that was like, I don't, oh, I don't have an accent. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't have an accent. I'm like, right. oh, I think you do, actually. <laughs> that coffee looks pretty good today, then. Yeah, well, you care for cream or sugar with that, then. Well, if it's handy, sure, but, yeah. you know, it don't matter. I like it either way. All right, then. Well, here you go. So, Carl, did you hear about this new language they're teaching in the schools now? No. What's that about? Oh, yeah. Well, some new program or something. I don't Mm. know. They say that kids in Minnesota, they grow up learning this whole separate language. And uh, teachers ought to know it, too, so they can teach better, don't you know? Mm. Yeah. It's called uh, Wobegonics. Oh, uh yeah. Yeah. So I, I came in fresh. And then could could you know really really hear it? And then there were there were definitely Tim's a native, and there's some things that you had born and bred in St. Paul. Yeah, but there Excellent. was but there were things that you had to learn not to say. Yeah, bank, bank, bag, <laughs> boat, bag, boat, bag, 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 bag. You say bag. You got to get the bag. You got to better take your bag to the bank. What was that, Tim? Today. 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 Yeah. yeah. So there's, that's a natural thing of growing up around here. So. Absolutely. Mostly uh, the neutral thing is what you strive for if you want to be in broadcasting yes. and or mm-hmm. other things. Well, and I grew up, because Arizona can, uh, unless you are you know, from uh, the very, very strong Mexican-American community that, that's there, mm-hmm. or you're uh, snowbirds from wherever, Mm-hmm. Um, there's really no sort of regional sound, right? Especially in southern right. Arizona. So I sort of I didn't have an accent that I had to lose, that hmm. I had to lose, which was great because I mean I had some friends who were from Oklahoma, some actor friends from Oklahoma. They had to learn to get that out of there, mm-hmm. and the Minnesotans and people from New York grew up in New York, and it's like no, I never, I'm it's kind of standard American English. This is all good. That's actually, that was something I was going to ask, is yeah. what is the Arizona accent? I've got a sister who retired there. And well, all our neighbors are from Toronto and Iowa yeah, exactly, and Wisconsin. Exactly. And there, is the, so there's, there's the, there is the cowboy sound, but the cowboy right. sound's not dif- different than the, kind of the cowboy rancher sound is not that much different than the farmer thing. Yeah. Because I lived in Iowa. I worked for a theater company in Iowa for, for quite a few years when I first uh, came up from college. And then it's like, oh, you guys sound like the ranchers. It's kind of a little bit of that casual CB talk kind of thing. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So, um, but otherwise, you know, there's the, the, there's no ing's. Real strong. Everything's like we're going, yeah. we're doing this. Sure. It's kind of that. But otherwise, there was really no sound. On the show, Garrison every once in a while, in the middle of a script, would, uh, speaking of accents, just put in the word gibberish. Preceded by some ethnicity, yeah. many of which would get you in serious PC trouble. Now I think. Oh, I think. For example, I'm talking about the Indian accent. You, you know, oh, yeah, that doesn't yeah. work. Or right. uh, Japanese. He got And then he'd say a French gibberish. So, so uh, 
that would be, uh, you know, a way to sp- spread the accents around. And, right. Do you remember that French Canadian band that was on the show? And they, you were doing a French gibberish thing, and they came running in from backstage, and they're all like laughing hysterically because he was doing this French gibberish. Yeah. Oh. So then, like, we asked them. What, is, what does American gibberish sound like? And it was brilliant. Because <laughs> oh, we I'd can't do that. that. I mean, right. it was very clipped right. and nasally, and, <laughs> yeah. but they weren't saying real words. And it was, like, hilarious yeah. to have that perspective from somebody else. The truth is, everything sounds better in a foreign language. Opera sounds better. <laughs> movies. Movies just are so much more profound in a foreign language. So if you're not doing that well in school in English, you might try learning a foreign language. At Earl's School of Language, you learn all the languages that make you sound really smart, like German. Like French. Like Russian. Everything but Swedish. You speak Swedish and somebody's going to hand you a broom and ask you to clean up. But all of the others are good and because Americans are monolingual, you won't have to speak a language very well to sound really smart. Yes, you can learn to speak not very well in just a few weeks. So astonish your friends, confuse your teachers, ESL, Earl's School of Language. We would go... uh to places around the country to do the show on the road where sometimes the accents were so thick from the locals. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I remember being in a cab uh, coming from the airport with a um, in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Oh, yeah. I could not understand him. Oh, really? He was like, hey, little girl, we got, an, uh, uh, we got a car plant going in over there. And they're going over there, and they're going to be in the new school. I'm, I kept going, I'm sorry, excuse me? Can you can you say? And then he, he kept raising his voice at the end, so he, it sounded like he was asking <laughs> questions. So I go, I'm sorry, one more time. And then I just thought, so I started going, sure, okay. I just didn't know what right. he was saying. Yeah. Two and a half days later, when we're leaving, I had the same cab driver <laughs> just happenstance, oh and I could understand him. <laughs> oh really? I'd been in, we'd been in town just long enough yeah. that it's like, oh, my ear was picking it up, and I thought. How was, you know, was the, the hotel cab sure, cab yeah. drivers that were yeah. pulling up? It was the same guy. He's like, "Hey, little old gal." All of a sudden, I'm thinking, "Oh no, I can." Yeah. He's talking about the Mercedes Benz plant that just came in. He's talking about the new high school, yeah. and I didn't understand any of that before. <laughs> and so, and sometimes you would come up to me uh, backstage and go, "Hey, that stagehand oh, yeah, really sa- sounds like." Nashville, or really sounds yeah, like Cajun. so. We were like, go, yeah. go, oh, really? listen to that person, or go listen to that person over there. We did the show in Edinburgh, uh, <laughs> part of a really? trip to Ireland and Edinburgh. Ironic, you just said that because Glasgow was where that I lost track. Last region, yeah. yeah. But uh, Garrison wrote a script, of course, and he likes to torture us by throwing in oh, God. <laughs> accent. So. No, and I, just, I don't know what's going on. It's great. It's good. A lot of glottal stops. It's great. Oh, wow. It's good. And then we were in Limerick, and we were we were checking in with each other because we were saying they say the th is like t's. Yeah. So they say this. They and say t's. So there was the the two teens. So we're like, no, the thing would be not two things. It would be two tings. And so Tom Keith famously said, he said, so this would be two tings. And he goes, and then the turd. 
<laughs> can you see, Don? Can you do? Can you help us see I the three fingers? Don's nodding. I think we're okay here. He's holding up the three. I think we two teens yeah. and I'm then the turd. But um, but that was interesting to just to realize that the Limerick Limerick Ireland had that specific thing that yeah. you didn't hear in Dublin. We went to hmm. St. John's Castle there where they had a, oh, yeah. a cheesy uh, multi... Diorama. Yeah, diorama with a multimedia <laughs> presentation yeah. okay. of something that yeah. took place 500 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> speaking of 500, uh, they had the local actors doing the character parts of this big slaughter that happened there. And sure. One mother voice saying, 500 of them lying in the mud. Yeah. <laughs> lying in the mud. And so we, that was, that that was, was kind cue. of a, that was a thing for about five years. Yeah. There's 500 of them lying in the mud. Wow. Slow moment on stage. Yeah, Not 500. Like, <laughs> Time down off your high horse. Look at the 500. <laughs> Tell us what it was like traveling with the show and, and performing in front of audiences all over the world with something that was quite regional, this Minnesota, small town kind of thing. How did different audiences respond? Well, what's interesting is sometimes our St. Paul audience was the quietest. Uh, because, but, and people would sometimes be, there would be a little like, you know, oh, you know, they're just, they're, they're so familiar with us. And I said, they're so familiar with us, they're buying, if we're doing like a four-week run in St. Paul, they're buying tickets for all four weeks, you know, maybe six, eight tickets. They're bringing their neighbors, their family, and they're, they're our diehard fans, but they're so familiar that, that it's kind of like more like chuckly stuff as opposed yeah. to, oh my God. And then on the road, you would, you, what you would add to that was people who had maybe never seen us live before and they couldn't believe we were in their town. So there'd be that, oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, a lot of ha ha ha, you know, a lot, lot of big laughs. But it was there was a lot. Of, wouldn't you agree? There was a lot of belly aching backstage. The same Paul Gladys were so quiet, and I used to say, "Flat." Yet they are our biggest fans. They are mm, the right. diehard yeah, fans. They yeah. come back over every and show. over and over. Five hundred that would march to the mood. In the mood. Where would every the mood. step of the I mean, not or laugh. the snow? You know. But uh, so I think that was always interesting. And then you would hear that small town thing, like you're you're wondering. You would, you know, we would go to town hall, the show in New York, and afterwards they're like, "Oh my God, I love you guys. You would just, I just yeah. love. It's just so reminiscent of like the little town. Yeah, growing up in you Brooklyn, know? we had yeah. the same stuff. We had the going same on. thing. It's yeah, really? it's, um, yeah, huh. it's the thing, the family and everything, and after everything, it's like old radio. It's a, you know, on, all over the country, you hear that kind yeah. of thing. Which, huh. which brings it back to the point that Garrison tapped into some universality with his, right. uh, yeah, Lake Wobegon stories. It's something familial that, no matter where you are in the world and or country, you're 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 relating to something, right? Yeah. Well, and even even jumping in again about that about the mom character, I would hear in, in receptions and things afterwards, "Oh, you sound just like my Cuban mother. Oh, you sound oh, just really? like my Irish mother. Oh, you sound like just like my Jewish mother," and they and I was like. Okay, so there was a universality there with that right. passive aggressiveness. Yeah, and I was actually channeling my own mother uh, many times, uh, which my sister would go, "Oh my God, I can't believe you put that one thing in there." And there was—I mean, we followed the script, but there was some little nuancey things mm. that I would throw in that were very much my own mother. Mm. But um, but to have that—that that they would be like, "No, that's exactly like my Norwegian mother. That's exactly like mm. my yeah." You know. Huh. 
Wouldn't you rather be at the lake this summer? I mean, what is this book you're working on anyway, it's just, it's, huh? It's, it's a book. That's oh, it's well, just a book. gosh, I hope it's not something we're going to have to explain to the neighbors someday, honey. Huh? I mean, it's not about us or anything, no, it's is not. it? It's, huh? a, it's, a, it's a coming of age story, oh. okay? <laughs> a coming of age story, honey. Well. You're 50 years old. <laughs> I mean, come on, your coming of age has come and gone. Don't you think? Listen, it's it's called Whatever. That's the title of it. Whatever. It's a a book about ambivalence. Oh, so it is about us. No, it's not. Yeah, Yeah, the family dynamics thing is universal, as you say. So that's. But I think, I wonder if it's the audio experience. You know mm. what I mean? So they're not looking at us to say, well, that doesn't look like my mom. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just the audio experience. Theater of the mind kind of deal. Right. And so then to. they can go, wow, my mother would do that too. Or as Tim was saying, you know, the, the little the, the little town like Wobegon, whatever, whether it's Brooklyn or it's L.A. or, you know, in, in you know Midwest, they're just picturing their own sure. setting because it's audio. And, you know, when we would get families that would come up and the 10 year old kid was like can I have your autograph <laughs> and the parents would go he's a big fan and I would go God bless you yeah. mm-hmm. God yeah. bless you with all the options for stimulation right. Yeah. Right. and you've got a 10 year old kid who is loves listening to the show mm-hmm. and the imagination that he's bringing sure. to his own you know his own in his, in his mind so I think that was always really cool. That's the kid in the Hopalong Cassidy T-shirt, right? With the yeah, maybe. You know, suspense, you know. Hey, this. Is well, the- it could be the kid that grows up in the one hour of television. Right? <laughs> now it's like one hour of phone. You know, no, one right. hour on your phone, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. I don't know, but I mean, uh, you know, the fact that uh, even at school, I mean, even pre-COVID, but at school, all the different media that's oh, used, yeah. and this oh, yeah. kid, these kids were just like, we love you to listen to you. A lot of them are captive audiences in the back of the seat of the car, too. Right. Sure, that's oh, yeah. You're not going sure, anywhere. I'm listening while you're driving yeah. to the It's cabin. easier to just put down this phone where I've lost my signal and listen to the show. That's and, right. And, right. Then, right. and then there are the kids who grew up and go, I grew up listening to, you know, the not now, Nora, listening to you every Saturday, life stopped during that. And when mm, I became yeah. an adult and my new boyfriend said, I've got tickets to Program Companion, she was like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> and it was sort of a rebellion time. Yeah. No. I hate that show. I hate that show. I want to rebel. I want to do something different. And then they get old enough, they go, no, it's, I guess I'm back. I'm back. It's totally right. cool. Who else is on the show tonight, Mr. Tim Russell? Vic Tanny, Danny Kay, Danny Boy, Boy George, George Jones, Joan Collins, Colin Powell, Paul McCartney, Courtney Love, the Leuven Brothers, Olivia Newton-John, Lawrence Olivier, Faye Dunaway, Faye Ray Ray, Stephen, Stephanie Ford, Fort Torres, Tori Amos, Famous Amos, Amos and Andy, Sandy Dennis, Dennis Hopper, Hopalong Cassidy, Sandra D, Aunt B, Bruce Lee, Mr. T, Ted Turner, Flipper, Dasher Dancer, Johnny Cash, Flash Gordon, Gordy Howell, The Who, Betty Boop, Betty Davis, David Letterman, Helen Reddy, J. Paul Getty, Conway Twitty, Kitty Wells, Nervous Nelly, Good Golly, Miss Molly, Jane Pauly, Silly Putty, Peppermint Patty, Juicy Lucy, Swoozy Kurt. It's Kurt Russell and me, Tim Russell. Sounds like a show. I know I'm looking forward to it. My family came from all over the great state of Minnesota. Um, But it was interesting getting together around the holidays. We had, uh, let's just say, two distinct political camps at every family gathering, one of which was much larger than the other. Uh, But that could all be set aside. Oh. When somebody popped in tapes of... Yeah. PHC, you know, the yeah. Prairie Home Companion. 
And all of a sudden, everybody just sat down and nobody cared anymore about the political state of the country wow. or tax rates or gas prices or anything. And, and uh, one in particular, I just remember watching my, my dad and one of my aunts who just fought like cats and dogs over politics. Yeah. And it was a piece on, there was a, there was a new Lake Wobegon satellite that had gone up. And somebody was saying, yeah, here it comes again, whizzing by. And it was like a, like a drone aircraft or something. <laughs> and I was maybe nine years old at the time, and I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. And they were like, look at the kid, he's losing it. But they all put aside their differences wow. and just sat down. And they were all of that radio show generation, too. I mean, they, these were aunts and uncles who talked about lights out and, you know, suspense. Yeah. And yeah. my dad was a big Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy fan and all this kind of stuff. And I'd sit there a child of the late you know 60s early 70s going i have no idea what you're talking about but i want to know more about it yeah and now we're both radiophiles you know we love old radio shows and mm-hmm. i even had some old radios in my home for a while not unlike you know tim's place here yeah. and uh finally we had to move and it was those not, go, not enough room you know, they don't work for one thing and that's that's a really strange well they know but there's yeah there's such a my um <clears throat> i came home on christmas and my parents there was a repeat on that Saturday. We were off that week. Yeah. And my mom's like, oh, it's, it's almost, it was, it was on at five, 5 o'clock in Arizona. We, it's almost time for the show. And I'm thinking, well, I, we don't have to listen yeah. to the show. I, you know, we, it was a show from last year or whatever. Heard it. Yeah. She goes, no, no, we got to listen to it. So she pulls, they pull chairs up. And, they're, and I go, do you guys watch the radio? <laughs> and she's like, I guess we do. <laughs> well, that's where your voice is coming from. And I'm like, Seriously, and she, but they hadn't even realized it. My dad goes, "Yeah, I guess we we pull our chairs up and we watch the radio." Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. "Okay, like the that is days. so funny." Yeah. And they go, "I guess it is kind of funny." We didn't even think of it, but we're like, "Well, that's where your voice is coming from." So of course we watch the radio for two hours. Face what else the, are we going to do? Face the voices. Wow. I go, you know, you can move around and do stuff. The old vintage Warner Brothers cartoons yeah. where the radio starts actually moving its speaker like a mouth. Oh yeah. Aren't you listening to me? <laughs> yeah. There's an escape criminal. <gasps> oh yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, let's watch the radio. Did you uh, have any uh speaking of like fans and being well, world renowned or recognizable voice actors, did you did you have any of those weird kind of like, oh, that's what you look like or Oh yeah. You know, any, any weird fan stories of like <laughs> They always thought I was older and heavier. And they always thought I was uh, Sue's dad. So. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> there was the one time. Yeah, the one time. The one time. Durango, Colorado. Mr. Scott. Dur- 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 yeah, during one, there was one time. Your dad. Yeah, it's like, he's not my dad. No, no. That's funny. Tim Russell. That's I've got funny. her by a couple of years. Let's just <laughs> No, their people would come up and they would say, um, usually if they said that, they'd go, I thought you were older and a little heavier. <laughs> and, I, and, they, I, and I thought that was a okay, sure. Yeah. I mean, we all have. I mean, I see people like on from National Public Radio. I'm thinking, no, that that's not, no, right? That that's not what them. Nina Totenberg right. looks like. I'm right. sorry, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I have an image in my mind, and yeah. based on your voice, and that's not it. Um, wow, absolutely. So yeah, we had that. We did have that. So how did the writing work? I, I thought. I suppose Garrison did most of the writing but uh, did you you know other than writing on the fly did you he's, he's the greatest dialogue writer of all time yeah he really yeah. is good at it and so there, we, there was no heavy lifting on our part right uh, our big job was to sort of make it as real as possible as natural as possible by maybe filling in 
just a certain uh, reaction uh, O's and uh, O's and O's and ums and so's yeah. and wells. Mm-hmm. We would throw a lot of those okay. in. Well, or sure, sure. so, which may not be in the script, but yeah, he was he was an incredible dialogue writer. He is an incredible dialogue writer. And, mm-hmm. and an actor, too. I mean, he really, his timing was spectacular. So Yeah. So it was a, just a joy. And people oh, would think scripts. we were improvising, and we'd say, no, that was, all, that was all scripted, except for those little connective tissue, that's all scripted. Well, then how did rehearsals work? Um, like, how often did you rehearse? Or- he was loath to rehearse. Oh, okay, wanted to keep so, it spontaneous. Like, yeah. Creativity yeah, he thought that would kind of... Immediacy. Yeah, but there were times then we would, something would be really complicated, especially with sound effects, and we would sort of, we would do Friday night, we would see the script for the first time, Friday night. Wow, okay. And so we do a read-through, sometimes... Usually just around a table, every once in a while on, on mic, on the road, but usually just around the table. And he wanted to hear it, and they would just kind of read through it once. Okay, that's good. They'll all change people. They'll all be different tomorrow. Did <laughs> you uh, say that? He yeah. Just, yeah. He said, these, you these will all change. Okay. These all don't, oh, don't. I've got some work to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was one of those people that showed up in your St. Paul audience from time to time. Anyway. <laughs> Because we knew it, but we loved it. Yeah. And it was it was all fresh, but I think that's a Midwestern thing, is to not get too explosive in your laughter, because, well, you draw attention to yourself. <laughs> we saw, we were famous for buying the tickets to the rehearsal night. So oh, yes, we did, this. we did that on for Friday a couple, night, couple or, of years, know. we did that. Yeah. Yes, we did, we did that. Saturday evening. Huh. Actually, sometimes those were better shows. Oh, they were great. Oh, really? They because were wonderful. he never cut anything. Yeah. He just let, yeah. and all the scripts were in. Yeah. yeah. And when you, you're limited to the two hours, right. you know, you have to cut half the scripts. So. And wow. sometimes, and you know, there would be a rundown leading into the Saturday show, and that would change and evolve during, you know, before the show, during the show. I mean, and there's the famous picture of, of him reaching around Tim and changing a line during oh, yeah. a catch-up oh, advisory wow. board script. <laughs> and I see him, I actually knew, I actually got a heads up. Bef- Tim was doing the opening monologue, the the Jim opening monologue. And I hear Garrison, uh, he calls over Albert, our stage manager, and I and right behind me he said, they have the wrong script. Uh, oh my gosh. And I'm thinking oh, that oh. was so rare that that would ever happen. We had people that, yeah, yeah wow. and people. There are people. We you know, people. Don, you know what that's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah we Don. call it Dada Theater, right? This is this all in, it's like a Camus piece. So it's he fine. so he's like, they have the wrong script. And I'm thinking, well, we're in the, we're live, baby. We're in the middle of all this. This ain't, you know, nothing's gonna change now. So they go scurrying off, and Albert's thinking, and he's going scripts, and Garrett goes, No, 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 that's okay. And I'm watching all this happen while Tim's doing this monologue, this opening monologue. And then he, he Garrison reaches around Tim with his little Sharpie, because he has stock in Sharpie. <laughs> and he starts writing, and now it's time for me to speak. Oh my so God. now I've got a couple of lines, and I'm trying not to be distracted because he's writing some new lines for Tim to say. And then Tim <laughs> says those lines, and you never know. Wow, but there's wow. a famous Seamless. picture. Robert Altman loved that there's a picture. Yeah. famous picture of... Yeah. He had it blown up and put in his production office when he did the movie A Prairie Home Companion. Yeah. And when Sue and I went in to sort of uh, get his approval. Can we? Can you walk and talk at the same time? He yeah. said, I said, I hope. I think so. <laughs> yeah. He pointed the picture out. I said, that's what I love about radio. You know, it's just spontaneous. And Well, but I gave you all the credit because a little bit myself too, but we didn't drop a beat. We didn't stumble. And this major thing is going on. And there's the audience is reacting. Yeah. They're watching it live. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they're watching it, you know, happen. The radio audience doesn't know anything. They're just right. they're just doing a catch-up script. Yeah. Oh, staring at their radios. Yeah, they nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing got dropped. And I said, 
you know, you didn't see, I saw Garrison. I'm like, oh my God, he's actually going to do this. Okay. <laughs> and you didn't even flinch. You're like, all right, well, whatever. Something's being written in the margin. I guess I'm supposed to say those things. <laughs> so I, it was, a, it was, it was, a, Tim's composure wow. was pretty stunning. Well, and Tim, you have a you have a good story, don't you, about uh, dropping your script uh, during? I think you're doing oh, a, yeah. a Bush with Martin uh, Martin, Martin Sheen. Sheen. I was doing all the former presidents talking to President <laughs> Jed Bartlett. Okay, yeah, and um, somehow at the very end, I, I don't know which president I was. I was doing George W. Bush. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he was trying to give advice to Jed Bartlett there, and. Uh, and right at the end, it was at the end of the, the whole script, somehow I dropped the last page. And I had a line, and then I I looked down, and I picked it up, and I kind of forgot what I was doing there. <laughs> and it sort, of, it sort of made sense. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like several speeches the, I watched. This is at the Hollywood Bowl with 15,000 people out oh, front, oh. and... Uh, and so they kind of reacted to what was going on. But Yeah, yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with being old. I am. I kind of liked it. Yeah, I'm as strong as ever. I was. Go ahead, hit me in the stomach. Do it. Do it as hard oh, as you can. Oh, please. No, no. I, 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 I'd I, rather not, Arnie. I, I, I'd be glad to do it for you. <laughs> not you. Not you. Hit him. Hit me. Come on, give me your best shot, Mr. Fakey. Oh, fake I don't want to hit you, right Arnold. Right Come on, Come on hit me. Hit me. Do it. All right, fine, if you insist. Go ahead. <laughs> so much for Conan the Republican. <laughs> I told you I didn't want to do it, you big doofus. <laughs> I'm sorry, I kind of, I kind of got lost there for a moment. <laughs> That's happened before, Mr. Kenton. That was one of my favorite scripts because you know talking to Martin Sheen as yeah. Yeah. Jim Bartlett was yeah. really fun. Will, I suggest <laughs> that uh, you, you know, perhaps should go back on TV. You know that kind of thing. So. But there were there were definitely times when when somebody would say there was something happened during the show and there was a big laughter like in the what you know right. what was going on there. It's like oh well you know something like that was, was going right on. yeah something that only the that's what makes it so special to be in the audience. You know, yes, that, was, right. that was the, ad- right. the added thrill of just being there. Right. And, and there I mean, and they, there were times when Garrison would cut the script during the show. And so I would see, I stood next to him because it was a girl, it was a boy girl boy thing. And so he I would see him get out the Sharpie and he's looked at the next page and we were doing a guy noir or something. And he puts a big line through something. <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, here we go. And then he passes it to me. It's like, and I might even might not be my my thing that he's cutting. He's cutting right. some little thing that maybe Fred was doing with the thing, or yeah. he just wants to cut for time. Right. And so he's passing it down, and we're all our eyes get really big. But then we would, <laughs> it, and it would be seamless. It's wow. like, all right, well that thing's cut oh, wow. in the next page. We're going to cut that, and then you would just you hadn't rehearsed it that way. Right. But you have to make that jump work and that happened often yeah, the, the audience loves the, seeing the sausage being made you know? yeah. Oh, or, yeah. Or, yeah. or the yeah. last thing I'll say about that is the, the backstage where he'd say this feels a little long like the, a song was a musical guest was finishing up Okay. I think I'm going to make some cuts and then all of a sudden the song was over he'd go follow me <laughs> yeah. So he's like, I'm just gonna be making cuts. You just gotta follow me. And we're like, okay. Wow. Follow me. Oh so you kind of spread your pages out to yeah. see what pages were. And then he next. would jump. He would jump. And then oh it was gosh. really hard when we were doing those joke shows because oh he would boy. all of a sudden jump. And we were literally like, I don't know. So we would get lost, and then someone would just take that person's joke because it's like, 
pages are turning. That's okay. <laughs> I, 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 I'm looking over at Tim. Tim knew where we were. Okay, good. Go. Then it's like, okay, now I know where Fred is. Okay, good. I'll do it. Oh so gosh. that happened a lot of the so joke shows. Joke shows were so much fun. Well, the they were great, shows. but they were the, the most terrifying for I bet. us. I bet. Because they really came together at the last second, and we had no idea. Yeah. He'd have 30 pages of jokes, yeah. and we had no idea what so, was going to come And up. sometimes he would just he would turn three pages and go, Sue, tell us the joke about... And you're like, I will if yeah. I can find <laughs> it. Funny story about that one. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then he'd go, or Tim, do you, you could tell it. And he'd be like... Oh, my gosh. But then the, 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 uh, the, uh, the prompt we would get is, don't read it. Mm. Don't read yeah. it. Yeah. Don't read it. Yeah. You sound like you're reading people yeah. because yeah. we've never seen the joke before. So <laughs> right. read it. But, but, but it was ultimately a very good prompt because it wasn't like, no, you're not allowed to read it. It just don't sound like you're reading it. And kind of bring it off the page and throw in the little connective tissue and make it sound like, you know, so there's this guy as opposed to yeah. a man walks into a bar and he says, it's like, okay, oh, so sure. this guy walks into the bar. Okay. Mm. And, you know, that Ca- that's what he wanted. He wanted yeah. that casual yeah. stuff. These two senior citizens are sitting in the activity room of the old folks' home, and the old woman says to the old guy, I bet I can tell how old you are. No, you can't. Stand up. Okay. Now drop your trousers. Okay. Now turn around. Yeah? You're 82. That's right. How did you know that? You told me yesterday. <laughs> we'll be back in a moment with more from Tim Russell and Sue Scott after these important messages. This segment of Cabin Country is brought to you by Horseshoe Plug, that satisfying chaw you might share with Granddad. Horseshoe. You'll be hard-pressed to find a more pleasing wad. Mitt's Coffees is proud to offer their newest blend for coffee lovers across the Northwest. Supremian Colombo, a rich, full-bodied dark coffee that is strong enough to be your daybreak blend, but not so powerful that you'll have to stop after two or three cups. Supremian Colombo is a great choice for an everyday blend, a brew that will accompany you through your day while letting you still get a rewarding night's sleep. Join the legions of foreign place kickers and disheveled private investigators who swear by it. Ah, uh, just one more cup. Supremian Colombo is the coffee for you. Brought to you by Mitt's Coffee Roasters, the brew that flew with the great Northwest. Hey, we are lucky enough to be joined on Cabin Country here tonight by two of the North Star State's premier ornithologists, renowned authors and bird identification experts, Proustot and Jim Treswell. Well, thank you very much for having us. Yes, we, we love that you've given us time on your show to help aspiring birders learn some basic calls. Well, it's a real privilege to have you both with us today, uh, Learning bird calls, such a wonderful pastime, and so helpful when you're outdoors. Well, and your most recent field guide, uh, Sing a Song of Sixpence from Bow and Wire and Vine, is currently on the Cabin Country bestseller list for essential field guides. How were you able to compile such extensive work into this handy guide? Well, uh, actually, early in the practice, uh, mnemonic devices are very helpful, you know. They get ingrained into your memory, and you don't forget them. Mm-hmm. Uh, those uh, memory phrases are what we'd like to share with your listeners today mm-hmm. to get them started. Right. Oh, excellent. Well, where would you have a start? Let's begin with that little charmer of both backyards and forests alike, the song sparrow. Oh, sure. Okay? Now, I always hear the song sparrow sing out, blades, blades, skate, skate, round the stinging nettles, edels, edels. Uh-huh. 
And uh, uh-huh. my version of that song is High Tight Fade, Greet Me Like Hansel or Gretel Ethel Ethel. Or, or, or Shame-Faced Abe, Put the Pedal to the Metal Ethel Ethel. Yes. Okay, Jim. Well, whatever. Well. <laughs> the Song Sparrows have other songs as well, like this vocalization. Zip strip the flippin' mall boys, fill your ears. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I always uh, remember it as a clip, clip, hop, vines, toboggan, clairvoyant squirrel. Or, or uh, madge, 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 pour liquid soap. You're soaking in it. <laughs> what? All right. Well, you wow. see, not all bird song experts agree on their mnemonics. <laughs> Honestly, it's whatever works for you. You know, mm-hmm. to remember mm-hmm. the call. That's right. So here is one of my favorites, the American Robin. Now, I compare its call to the following rhyme, okay? Knees high flying machines, rope-a-dope, granny. Wow, really? Yes. Well, you, you see, uh, actually, uh, gentlemen, I've always heard the Robin song is chins up, double chins, video nanny. Okay. And that really lacks the professionalism our students desire. Double chins. Double what? chins. Well, no, I keep telling you it's whatever sticks in people's minds, Prue, so <sighs> they don't forget that one. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it's goofy, I'll grant you that, but it's memorable. Okay. That's the point. Agree to disagree. Uh, we have a couple more for you, if, if you would be oh, interested. Oh, yes. Be okay. Please, thank you. The yes. barred owl. Now, many bird call experts claim the barred owl's call sounds like, who cooks for you? Who cooks for you all? But I always hear the barred owl's call as, new soiled shoes, two overshoes, trolls. Hmm. Wow, hmm? overshoes. Overshoes. Yes. Trolls? Yes. Yeah, again, exactly. uh, we don't exactly. always exactly. agree on these things. Uh, um, actually, here's how I remember the barred owl's call. Who took the snooze? Who chewed me snooze, Paul? Snooze. Snooze, yeah. Ish. Jim, that's just gross. What? Really. I don't know how many potential birders you've turned off with that one. Okay, okay, fine. That right there. That's what it sounds like. No, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like that at all. I didn't tell the owl to discuss snooze. I'm not sure how we started going down the road of bird calls we disagree on here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's see what uh, Fudd and Bjorn uh, say about this last one. Guys, will you tell us which phrase is more memorable? Yeah. The hermit thrush. The hermit thrush. The hermit thrush. Many an ornithologist says the mnemonic phrase for this thrush is, why don't you come to me? Here I am right near you. I remember the hermit thrush by hearing these words. Pro bono rubber tree, Miriam spies tap shoes. Well, now that's just ludicrous. No, it's not. I mean, not, come on, no, gentlemen, not. you see what, no. uh, see what you think of mine here, no, and then we'll, no, 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 we'll get no, back no, to no. which one is better. I don't speak hillbilly. The Holstein speaks the whole truth. Oh, well, yeah. well, they're, no. they're both good. Well, I mean, no, hate to be put on the spot here, no. but uh, I can't decide. Yeah, I, oh. you know, me neither. I like them. I like them all. I think you're right. You know, whatever works for the individual. There you go. Um, If if I might change gears for a moment here, uh, Uh, it appears that a great many Minnesota bird calls seem to include the word shoes in your mnemonic device. Isn't that interesting? That that is interesting. Yeah, Yeah. well, uh, shoes. Here, basically, it's easy to remember. True, shoes. You know, it seems to stick for our students. Mm -hmm. Unlike uh, Prue's pro bono rubber tree i'm not sure oh oh i'm sorry and what about yours jim what double chins and snooze i don't speak hillbilly that that is not at all what i would say okay you know what i've had about enough of your haughty approach to what we do here you know i know uh, what i'm doing uh ladies and gentlemen we were joined today by prue stott and jim traswell authors of sing a song of sixpence look for prue and jim's work in outdoors publications your favorite newsstands and all over the internet you'll be glad you did I know. 
Now back to Bjorn, Fudd, Tim, and Sue in Cabin Country. There were times when I remember saying to the guys, I am so glad this is not my first show ever. Mm. Because this one was a little tricky. And we'd we'd all be like, yeah, yeah, like like this was not my very first day on the show because it'd be like, yikes. One thing we could say about having your first time on the show, and this applies to a lot of the celebrities that would show up as guests, Invariably, there'll be a script with Piscawata, Piscacatawata Quadimagan. Don, can you fix that? Fix that. Fix that. Say it again, Tim. Piscacatawata Quadimagan. It's been a couple of years since I've said that. I know. Yeah, I'm not going to try. So that would be that would be in the script, and it looks oh, so yeah. bizarre. Yeah, that you, you have no a, idea. It's the Hawaiian it was state a rite fish. Of, it was a rite of passage, really. Right. Right. And so Brad, Brad Paisley, we were talking about that earlier, or Meryl Streep, yeah. or whatever, and they would totally freak out, and we learned. Just memorize it. Just yeah. listen to us say it. Yeah. Don't look at it because your mind is going to try to like. Oh, okay. Don't act. So lift your eye off the page when you just memorize it. Piscataquatamagan. Okay, yeah. they go like that. Yeah. <laughs> so when you get to that, take your eye off the page because your mind is going to try to break that down. It's right. going to. Wow. And then they would get mad when they would trip. They'd be mad at themselves. Mm. But I said, you know, I don't know. We say it ahead of time. It's funny if you get it right. It's funny if you screw up. Mm. It's a win-win. Yeah. yeah. So. That's one of those words my mom would have said. You said it, you clean it up. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So you, you both had uh, 21 and 24 years on the show, right? So like in the early... 24, 22. 24, 22. Well, with Garrison. With Garrison, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I was just going to go back to like the early days then. Was, was there an adjustment period in getting used to how you all worked together? Or did you kind of... I mean, you kind of came in experienced, Tim, with radio and Sue with theater... And improv. And improv. improv. Okay. So you, I mean, you were professionals when you started, of course, but how did the early days go? Was it any different? Well, uh, Don, am I doing all the talking? (laughs) Uh, You could cut some of this out. No, that's all right. Take it away. We did not wear headphones in in early years. So when Garrison quit the show in the late 80s, moved to New York, moved to Norway, or Denmark, Denmark, then moved moved to New York. And he started up the show there in New York called American Radio Company of the Air. Mm. And he, that was the first time they had a professional actors. On the, that was a cast oh, of actors okay. on the show. They had a bunch of New York actors. So then three years later, he decided to bring the whole works back to St. Paul. And he wanted two New York, he brought two New York actors with him. And he uh, wanted to find two local actors because he wanted a local sound kind of thing. And so uh, there was auditions, whatever. Uh-huh. So I, I was lucky to get a nod, to get the nod. But um, now I totally lost the question. We didn't wear headphones. That's where I was going. Oh, okay. We didn't wear headphones at the beginning because they were, these were all actors. And they figured, I think they figured, well, they had monitors on the floor. You could, as long as you could hear yourself, that was fine. And they were, you know, they were all from theater and that kind of stuff. So I come on, and I'd done voice work for years already at this point, mm-hmm. and theater, and improv, but you know, not a whole lot of live radio. Well, live radio, who else is doing, who has that on their resume, a lot of live radio? I mean, it just doesn't exist, right? <laughs> right, yeah. So I, the first show, I was being told, uh, you're kind of blowing out the mic. You're kind of blowing out the mic. Um, There's like a hmm. And it's like... Well, I, okay, are you not hearing yourself? So they're trying to pump up the monitors. But Garrison didn't like to have a whole bunch of monitors on the floor. He thought that was messy. And so 
sound effects guy, Tom, always wore, wore headphones because mm-hmm. he really needed to hear the nuance of his own sure. stuff yes. and then hear everybody else. So that was a given. Oh, he wears headphones. So then the thing was, why don't you, Sue, wear headphones? This is before Tim was on. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden I wear headphones and I'm like, oh, well now I can monitor myself better. Now I get what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And now if I want to scream and yell, I can lift my face, you know, my face away from the mic, lift my my, vo- my mouth away a little bit and not scream and yell into the mic. So uh, that was great. So then that started the thing. So then when Tim came on, you didn't know life without headphones. No. It you was were born a, with headphones. So everything was pretty natural Mm-hmm. Blending in and get, we're off and running. Yeah. So at that yeah. point, then we kind of then the theater people kind of kind of stepped away, and the, it just became those of us with you know Tim and I kind of meeting of the minds. But mm-hmm. we had done voice work together for years before that, so we knew. Oh, you learned the, the dynamics of the microphone. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. How to approach it. And but from then on, we wore yeah. headphones because it was like, okay, we need to hear the sound effects too, and mm-hmm. we need to hear. And coming from the floor, it's just. You know, the wedges from the floor, just, they don't, it's not the same. Uh, this is Linda Wertheimer, NPR News in Washington, with a special report from the Middle East. John, can you hear me? Yes, Do you I hear, hear you me now. now? I Sorry, hear I stepped on you there. Linda. It's Sorry, Linda. I'm go ahead, John, time. go ahead. We have you, John. Go ahead. Having a little trouble with a satellite delay there. Yes, I understand. There's a delay with the satellite. Go ahead, please. You want me to go ahead now? Yes, go ahead, John. <laughs> this we're is ready John. for you I'm now, right John. The provincial capital of... I'm sorry, Linda, did you say something? I said we're ready for your report, John. Do you want me to do that now, Linda? Yes, go ahead, please. Also, we would provide a lot of the background yeah. in addition to Fred or Tom doing specific sound effects. We're the crowd. Okay. We're, you know, mm-hmm. we're doing all the stuff yeah. that... We're, we're, the, we're the people going back right, and forth right, in the right, airport. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. We're like, yeah. honey, don't touch yeah. that. No, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Blueberries. It's like, oh, yeah. my God, I hate this flight. Yeah. I hate this flight. Yeah. And we would create all these little scenarios, and we would be especially for those rhubarb scripts, sound effects scripts where it was like an airport or a state fair or a whatever. And we were all that stuff in the background. Yeah. yeah. And that, that was a lot of fun to do. Oh, yeah. Wow. And then your improv skills pop up because you didn't want to just go yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right. So we would actually say real things. I would create little scenarios for myself. And then, yeah. But then you have to be different people. So then you'd be from different parts of the country or whatever. Garrison, so what's my backstory yeah, here? Right. <laughs> that would be my last day on the show. That would be exactly. Right. That I was going to say, exactly. I can't imagine him liking that. I'm trying to chart my character. I'm just wondering what the motivation is here. And You're a major um, network sportscaster. That's when the Sharpie yes. comes out and from crosses out the character altogether. Yes, yes right. No, that's when those scripts just don't get done. <laughs> that's that's you just the other sit thing. The writing is so good. That we rarely needed any uh, direction as to what this character might yeah, be. Right. It, it just it just come out because of the writing. So, so, sometimes, it. sometimes he would steer us. We would make a choice. Mm-hmm. We would make a choice at the Friday night uh, read through. You just make a choice. You just dive in, make a choice. And if you didn't say anything, great. Then that's that's. If it's not a reoccurring character, mm-hmm. then that's what that character is going to sound like. And a lot of our reoccurring characters started as. A one-off. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't know yeah. Ketchup Advisory Board was going to be a thing, or Ruth Harrison Reference Librarian. It was a one-time-only thing. Um, so you you would start with that, and he might say, "Oh, like there's the famous one where he said to me, um, 
another character described me as sort of a tall, uh, a statuesque kind of a woman. Mm-hmm. And so I, but I made a choice, and he said, I'm going to stop you here. I think she's even taller than that. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember when I was, that was my first year on the show, and I remember thinking, okay, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it turned out to be like, Oh, so I lowered my voice because he's waiting for me to to adjust right mm-hmm, then and there. Mm-hmm. So I lowered my voice. And, mm, that again. Then, of course, the rest of my life, I've met all these very, very tall women with little tiny voices. Oh, my Hello. Gosh, I know I'm six one, but I talk like this. But I think, well, not all tall women talk like this. But I think she's taller than that. What are you looking at me like that for? Nothing. You're looking at my left eyebrow, admit it. I'm just struck by your beauty. No. You're staring at this one hair follicle that got infected, and you're thinking, oh, is that a big pimple or what, aren't you? No, it didn't even cross my mind. there's redness there, isn't there? It looks fine to me. I moisturized. I used cleanser. No problem. I called my facial man, Mr. Chuck, but he is not picking up. He is not responding to his pager. What if you just put some flesh tone on it? Oh, you are staring at it. I could kill you, and so I will. Serves you right. You want to know what drop dead beautiful means? That's what it means. So there were times when he, we might say, oh, I think she might be a little more southern, or he might be a little older, or he might be, he might do that a little bit of stuff that, of what he heard in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be that. And and uh, there were contributors. He did have writers who would contribute mm. throughout the years. Oh, Sometimes okay. you did even too. Sometimes. Yeah, you you wrote some scripts, some, some cowboys. Especially, uh, oh yeah, Cowboy, I forgot about Dusty. Yeah, Dusty and Lefty. Um, <laughs> but uh, sometimes when he'd do, you know, celebrity voices, I, I would yeah. give him a... But he was great at writing one-liners for these celebrities. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, th- I was always amazed at that. He just really captured... For someone who said he never watched television. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Or, and or movies. Right, Clearly. he just read oh, really? the he knew what he was doing. Huh? Right. Yeah. Well, speaking of movies, yeah. uh, in 2006, yes. Robert Altman came and uh, made a film version of A Prairie Home Companion. And uh, earlier, Sue, you had said that uh, Robert Altman just asked if you could like talk and walk at the same time. Right. Be- so that was your audition, basically, or how? He just said he said uh, I, he'd been he'd come to on the road with us a few times. He said, I know you can stand there in front of microphones and be brilliant, but can you walk and talk at the same time? And I said, I hope, hope <laughs> that would be the plan. Wow. So uh, that was it. Was we actually shot it in two thousand five? Okay, okay. It came out in two six. Mm-hmm. Um, and Altman had a different idea, or no? Uh, yeah, no, no. Garrison had a different idea. Garrison wanted to do a Lake Wobegon movie. Oh, okay. And then a friend of Garrison's hooked up uh, Garrison with Altman. Okay. And said, "Well, want to talk about that?" And, and Altman came to see the show live because his wife was a huge fan. Oh, okay. And so he came with her one time and said, "No, no, 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 no! I want to do a movie about the radio show." Yeah, he mm-hmm. liked backstage. Yeah. Well, yeah. Situations, and uh, that's why he assembled this mighty cast. And yeah. And mm-hmm. and he was able to do it in one location. He was dealing with uh, leukemia and, and oh. chemotherapy and all that at the same time. He loved the idea of having one spot. Basically, yeah, where he could uh, put together this this whole story that yeah. Garrison wrote. Yeah, so he took over the Fitzgerald and they remade all these rooms to be different places and makeup rooms and stuff that didn't really exist. And we, Mickey's Diner was the only Mickey's other. Diner was the only other uh, yeah. location. Yeah. I played a short order cook. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of the epilogue to the movie, and where, the, well, yeah. and the prologue too, and the prologue. Yeah, where Sue, Sue, well, uh, this 
little scene at the end of the movie takes place maybe a year or two after the show closes. Yeah. Sue's a short order cook. I'm, I'm a, a wait- waiter. Waitress. A waiter, waitress, and I'm mm-hmm. a short order cook. Okay. So, anyway. But there were supposed to be scenes yeah. that oh, we did. Those and were then, all cut. Those were all cut. Don? Yeah. <laughs> you know what that's like, right, Don? No, in fact, in fact, oh, Don, in fact we, we show up that night. Suddenly Jack Benny. It was, it was supposed to be a nighttime shoot, so we're, you know, it's the middle of the night, we're doing this thing. Yeah. And, oh, uh, and so we're all ready. We had our lines memorized and all that kind of stuff. We're all ready. And um, uh, Altman goes, no, we're not going to do the scene at the door. We're not going to do that scene. And where they, where, where, where Garrison and everybody come in and we greet them. And then we're not going to do that scene. And then remember, um, Woody and... Uh, Dusty and Lefty is... John C. Riley were really not happy because there was a big scene with them at the counter. Oh. And, and, and Altman goes, no, we don't need that scene. We don't need the scene. Ooh. And they were mad. Yeah. Oh really? Oh, yeah. were, that was a little inside thing. This just in. Um, <laughs> can you give us a little ticker tape? Yeah, Don, yeah. Um, it's uh, they were not they were not happy, and I, I I remember thinking, you guys are like movie stars. What do you mean this? Like this is the first time this has ever. This happened. I mean, John C. <laughs> Reilly's going. I memorized that scene. <laughs> and he was just like, he was mad. And I thought, seriously? Looking for a beach ball to take. This is the very first time this ever happened to you? Where this, you know, always said, no, 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 I want to concentrate on this scene. And I don't, we don't, no, we don't need that. We don't need those scenes. I'm not going to, I wouldn't use them. Wow. But the, talk about the brilliance of these actors. Uh, John C. Riley learned how to spin a lariat. Right. With two hands, you know, two lariats oh, yeah. going. Yeah. Well, Pop, Pop yeah. Wagner, who's a, a a local folk, musician, folk musician, and yeah. been on Prairie Home in the old days, and he was in the movie. And Pop taught John C. Riley off uh, backstage one day. Yeah, and John just got so enamored, and so they decided to put it in the. I think Altman was like, "Well, if you can do it good enough, we'll <laughs> yeah. put it in the movie." But uh, that I, was, I remember sitting in the little ante room right off the stage. Right, and... Because Tim was the uh, stage manager. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, I was mm-hmm. playing the stage manager. Al, anyway, we were, Al, the stage manager. We were waiting for the uh, you know next scene or whatever at the beginning of filming, and, and Woody and John C. Riley were sitting there with me. Woody says, oh, he's kind of a quiet guy, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and I, he said, do we have any scenes together? I said, yeah, there's one scene with, with the two of us. And uh, I had gone through the script, and I wrote a couple of jokey things that he might be interested in saying just on the, on the sly, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, so there's a scene where, I, where the, I come in as the stage manager scolding him for being obscene in the last week's show. Yeah. And he said, about that, I say, about that song you sang last week. And he said, uh, I'll give you my moonshine if you show me your jokes. No, not that one. <laughs> Loving you ain't easy. Yeah. Loving you ain't easy, but I hear your sister is. Anyway. So those you, are from Tim. You wrote that. I, I just gave him those, those lines. And right before we did the, the scene, which was a week or two later, he said, what were those things again? Because the, the only line I had was, uh, come ride me bareback and I'll sing you a song or something. Yeah, or yeah, something yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But he, he, he just threw those in, you know. And they, oh. they stuck. They're, and no, they didn't the object, you know. Oh. And continuity didn't go. Why, wait, where is that coming from? There was uh, Altman, Altman's, uh, his direction often was, he would, he would want to just, just read, th- read through the scene for me, read through the scene for me. And so we would get together, whatever the scene was. Okay, we read through it once. He said, all right, um, when we do it, just make it messier. 
Let's make it messy. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. That was about it. And then he would spend the next two, three hours adjusting lights and camera angles and set pieces. And all, there was all those mirrors. Remember in the, make, the, yeah. in the makeup room, there was all these mirror things, which how they shot around that was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Because, you know, they've got this huge camera on a cart and there's like six people clinging to it. Yeah. Right. And they're doing this thing and all these mirrors and you never see them. Never saw them. Right. You never it's see them. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, they may have edited it out because Don knows what that's yeah. about. Yeah, but yeah. They may have edited a couple <laughs> out. But I mean that there was enough to work with. Yeah. And even in the rushes sometimes, he's like, you know, we'd be at the applause. It's like, how did you not see yourself in those mirrors yeah. uh, so that was always kind of amazing but it, but the big direction was just me- a little messier a little, just a little messier a little messier little, little sidebar to the production one of our production assistants was Allison Williams who went on to star in Girls Brian Williams' HBO. daughter Brian okay. Williams' oh, daughter. Okay. Yeah, Brian yeah. Williams daughter and Brian Williams was a huge fan of the show and he came twice to watch the rushes and then well he came to our show he came to our show show a few times yeah. in New York but yeah but for the and, movie and uh, then he he came, came out to, to a, visit uh, Woody Woody Harrison had a party had a birthday party a birthday party he had rented a house in Highland Park so uh, Brian Williams was there and the governor was there. The governor was there. Our, our colorful Gulliver, yeah. governor at the time, Jesse Ventura. Well, right. he was a former. Oh, okay. He was the newly former governor, I think. Yeah, I, I think, think he so. just. Yeah. Did they ever ask you to be Jesse on the show? Well, okay. So here I have to tell you. Okay so, <laughs> okay, so I see. I see in the driveway. First off, it's like ninety-five degrees outside, and Woody doesn't like at the time. Yeah. Woody, maybe this has changed. Maybe maybe you're different now, but he didn't want air conditioning on. Oh. Right. So okay. it was just sweltering inside. So we were outside a lot. Because uh-huh. it was still sweltering outside, but we were outside. So we're in the driveway, and I see Tim and Brian Williams huddling together. And so I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they're doing dueling, dueling Jesse Venturas. <laughs> Actually, it was dueling Tom Brokaw's. Oh, no, I'm sorry. sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. Oh, dueling really? Tom Brokaw. Even oh, Brian, oh. Brian Williams was doing Tom Brokaw. That's right. I'm sorry. And I said, oh, my God. That's, you know, he was... Kind of in the uh, catbird seat, waiting to take over from. Yeah, from, uh, yeah, that's right. I'm so sorry. It was Tom, Tom Brokaw. Brokaw. It was okay. hilarious. Oh my gosh, it was hilarious. But then the governor came over. <laughs> the governor came over. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> and he did have a long conversation with the governor. Yes, wow. yes, yes. Right. We were shooting the last scene, the curtain call scene, and they're trying to stage it all. You know, and there's singing. Geraldine Steele is singing, and, and they're trying to figure out, you know, when Lily Tomlin and Meryl Streep and, and Lindsay Lohan, all these guys, do their thing. So they're working all that out. And so they're okay. We're going to come in. You're going to do the call. Everybody's going to come out. Then you're all going to leave. And then I want, you know, Alvin singing. And then I want the, you know, the the main cast to come out and just kind of come out and dance and stuff like that. So it's kind of casual when the, and the credits will start rolling and you guys are all dancing and kind of casual on stage. So they do, they do that. They kind of do that. And then they're, okay, let's adjust some cameras, some lights. Let's do it again. And, and Meryl Streep says, um, I'm going to, uh, how come Garrison won't come out with us? Because Garrison just, you know, backstage. She goes, I feel like I should just grab him. I said, just grab him. She goes, no, but he's, will you be mad? I go, no. Just grab it. No. Did that sound like a Minnesotan? No. No. Gosh. Darn it. Just grab it. So she said, she said, should I tell him? And I go, no, because he will say no. All right. Just grab him and he will go. 
Okay. Are you sure? I go, yes, he will, because he knows the cameras are rolling. And he, and there were, Judy was one, uh, Tim's wife was one of the extras. There's there's a couple hundred extras out there as audience members. Mm-hmm. You know, So there's there was actually an audience there when they were shooting oh, okay. a lot of that stuff. Okay. Right. Those guys were supposed to respond and everything. Sure. That kind of thing. So by God, she... She goes and she pulls him. He's like, what? He goes out there. <laughs> and then she plants a big old kiss on his face, ah! on his lips. And he was like, what? And yeah. then I, I didn't tell her to do that part. No. I just said, I didn't know she was going to do that. But it doesn't matter. But I, I gave her the, yes, grab him. Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Will he be mad? No, he'll go. He'll go, I promise. That's funny, because I did think in that scene that Garrison looks a little lost there. I mean, like, he just stumbled on... Yeah, no, she went and, she went and grabbed close. him out there. And, and, and But it's they used... They did further... They did other takes. Okay. Where it looks like... I mean, where Garrison knew what was going to happen at okay. that point. No, no, they used that first one. Okay. I can tell. Yeah. I can tell he's a little thrown. Incredible feel of the middle school dance. Just grab the guy. Yeah, just grab the guy. Grab the guy. Oh, kiss him too. Sure, yeah. go for it. If you're going to do tell, that, tell him go quit for biting it. Biting his upper lip. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I heard Steven Spielberg say that the first and seventh takes were always the best in in his experience directing. So, well, there's something about that first take that is so. Well, there's the, there's the fresh, and you know that's the way in voice work too. We're often you, know, you end up doing 57 takes, and then they end up using the first one, and you go, okay, yeah. why were we here for 57 takes? Yeah. There was a story, another movie story, real quick. I I Donna the makeup lady. I find. Um, LQ, LT Jones? Yeah, LQ Jones. LQ Jones. He plays the dead guy. He dies. Uh, he's the old cowboy on yeah. the show. He dies. Okay. And I yeah. go into to his dressing room, and he's, I'm like talking to him. I think he's asleep. Then I find out he's dead. So we do, we do a run through. First, they, Altman says, why are you saying all those words? And I'm like, because that was what was in the script. I said, that's in the script. And he looks up the script, script person, and she says, that's in the script. He goes, don't say any of those things. Hmm. I say none of them. Don't say any of them. Do you not want me to speak? No, you can speak. Just don't say any of those lines. Oh, really? So you want me to improvise. Okay, so all right. And minimal. O- okay. So I'm so sort of like, hey, what's going on? You know, what was the guy's? I can't remember the character's name. Anyway, what, hey, what's going on? And I realize, oh, he's asleep. So the third take, we go through it. And, and he said, Sue, I really like when you were playing with that, that uh, the record player. I like that when you did that. To so do that again, because I was just finding things to do. Okay, good. Do that again. That'd be great. And then do that, and then you notice that the guy is dead, and you react. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I do that, and I go to to look at the guy, and the actor moves. Under, <laughs> he moves. Okay. And I am waiting for Altman to yell cut. I think what happened is we woke him up. Oh, I think really? he actually fell asleep <laughs> because this was for about a couple hours. It was, it was. We sh- I think we started shooting like eight o'clock at night, and he was supposed to be dead and not. You know, they want. We don't. Wanna, I don't want to see him breathing. I don't want to see him. You know, <laughs> so the actor's like, "No, I can do that. I can do that." And I think so. He moved like this. So I'm standing there looking at him, and I'm waiting. I know better. You don't. You don't cut the scene. Right. You wait till someone cuts the scene. Right. So I'm looking at him. And I'm thinking, and I'm about to laugh, <laughs> yeah. and I'm about to improvise. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a miracle. He's alive. He's alive. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, well, they're going to yell cut. And they're not yelling cut. They're not yelling cut. And I'm like, so I just go on with the scene. And I'm like, what the hell? So I go on the scene. I sit down like I'm supposed to sit down. Or I put, or put the blanket over and then I sit down. And then he goes, cut. Brilliant. That's the one. And I go, he moved. <laughs> he, no, 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 no. He moved. He moved. He moved. And he's all like groggy, like, sorry, I think you guys woke me up. Did I move? I'm sorry. <laughs> and um, I go, no, he moved. I mean, like, like, like this. Not oh just like a little tiny move. A but twitch, the, like yeah. a yeah, no, 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 the whole, yeah. like, the, And they're going, we didn't see it. 
Uh. So I said, in fact, I, I was about to laugh. They go, we didn't see it. No, it was brilliant. That was the one. So they look back at, at, the, at the tape, and the camera was up high enough. They didn't see him. Oh, wow. They did. At that moment. Okay. They were seeing wow. him. At that moment, they had gone up to look, to look, kind of do me, to kind of see me, yeah. like, kind of like yeah. shoulders yeah. high. Hmm. And by God, that take is in the movie. You see me just staring at him, and I'm thinking, God, I'm about to laugh. I am totally about to laugh. <laughs> or say, wow, it's a miracle he's alive. And, um, and for some reason, Altman like, no, I like that one. I like that you're just kind of like, they, he thinks she's not sure how to react. Like, oh, yeah. I'm just staring at you. I don't even. I'm. I'm speechless. Huh. And then it was. I know it's totally a, natural. I know you weren't the acting. Or podcast is going to be like maybe it should be a two parter. <laughs> hey, well, it just could be. Yeah. That's well, because that's a, that's a really have. long that's story, good. but you don't have to keep that story in. That could just be for us. I don't know, that Don. Could. We're gonna we're gonna have to watch what Don cuts out of this. That's right. He's he's become kind of the star of the show. I'm afraid. Darn you, Don! <laughs> too much too much publicity the here. Planet but. of the Apes. What we? Don. Well, oh my gosh, so many wonderful things about your experiences on Prairie Home Companion. Looking back on those couple of decades plus of working on the show, what are some of the fondest? You've already shared fond memories, but any great final words about that? Well, I loved the the travel. Okay. And that was a super side benefit that that was amazing. Uh, But uh, just in general, being able to get great writing Mm -hmm. every week, you know, uh, was such a rare thing, I'm sure, that uh, somebody that talented can, you know, spill out these things that let you do what you do. Mm -hmm. So that's a big thrill. And I I think for me, the... Traveling in different venues, you know, anywhere from Town Hall in New York and the Hollywood Bowl in L.A. and Ravinian outside of Chicago and these beautiful Wolf Trap, these beautiful, beautiful places and old Fox theaters in Atlanta and St. Louis and the history there. And that was, you know, as a theater kid, I mean, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. so and to be working, uh, to be paid to work to perform in New York City, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, would be a dream for anybody that grew up in theater. Uh, and but then working with amazing, amazing uh, musicians and singers and actors and uh, personality types and poets, um, you know, you just uh, my world was completely wide open and introduced to all these amazing people and how every once in a while there was somebody with sort of a little bit of tood, but for <laughs> the most part, everyone checked their you know attitudes at the door and everybody was just sort of jumped into the soup. And they were all like, okay, we're live, baby. This is like live, live. Enjoy yourself. And uh, not a whole lot of, you know, not a whole lot of lead time. So, yeah, have fun. Just have fun. And and, uh, so I think that was, uh, that was made the experience so special, so rare Mm -hmm. and so special, uh, so different from anything else I'd ever done. Well, oh my gosh, this has been so fun. I kind of knew it would be. It would, be, it yes, would be so fun to absolutely. be sitting Wonderful. here with Sue Scott and Tim Wonderful Russell stories. sharing stories. their experiences. So, oh, thank you so much. Well, I'm glad you remember <laughs> your old radio home. Uh, oh, what do you mean? You're only two or three years older than we are, right? Uh, yeah. I don't yeah, understand this. Yeah, that's it. That's the ticket. That's the thing. No, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, guys. Yes, thank you, thank you fun so guys, much. Fun guys. Did I say it's fun guys? Fun guys. Fun guys. Mushrooms. Yeah. Fun guys. We covered that, too. They're all good. 
Thank you. And uh, ciao. We'll, you we'll see you. We'll, we'll talk again. Cheers. Absolutely. Okay. Thank, Thank you, you. All so right. much. Bye. Well, an unbelievable show, Foot. I mean, it was just incredible afternoon of conversation and fun. I mean, what a what a great, great yes, afternoon's time. It was fantastic. Of course, thanks to Sue Scott and Tim Russell for their incredible stories, time, yes. all the you know love they put into that show and and and, and our show. Right. You know, it was great to have them so with enthusiastic. us. And, and a great, great interview. I'm just unbelievable. Still kind of wowed by what yes. went down and. In Tim's home, it was unreal. Right there in his in his dining room table, we right. recorded all those wonderful interviews. And thank you too to Judy Penley Russell, who added more stories, artwork, yep. incredible tour of, of uh, things past with the oh, show yeah. And, yeah. and great stories and, and all that amazing artwork. She sent some home with you, Fudd, for crying That's out loud. right, Judy. Uh, she did sketches of you know literally behind the scenes, right? You know, right. on backstage. And would do sketches of Tim, Sue, Garrison, and the whole gorgeous work. Whole team, yes, very, very nice. And of course, Judy, we've got to thank you too for the wonderful spread you put out for the recording oh, yes. time and the coffee. And of course, the coffee. Yes. I, I think I had four or five cups. <laughs> it was delicious. Thank you so much, oh, yeah. Judy. That's a must. When but you've got a few recording. more, a few more thank yous you'd like to throw yes. out here. Yes. Well, we we need to thank Garrison Keeler and. Prairie Home Companion Productions. Yes, indeed. For the permission to use the segments from audio broadcasts of from Prairie Home Companion. Yeah. Those were taken directly from the CDs. Sue Scott's "Seriously Silly." Seriously silly. And uh, Tim Russell's "Man of a Thousand Voices," not faces. Like not I, faces. Not hairstyles. I was. I was. I was nervous. Bjorn. Shoe styles. Yes. I knew yeah, I would trip man. over my tongue a couple. A thousand voices. Well, we were a little. In awe, I think, Foot. We were. And and if I may, we're going to throw out yet another thank you to uh, Mr. Stan Tequila for of the course. wonderful bird song recordings he's, he's yeah. given us permission to continue using and uh, the excellence of those recordings. Thanks thank again. Thank you, Stan. Thank you, Stan. Thank you, Don, for all your hard work. You, There's you kinda Don. Beca- kind of became pals with, uh, with <laughs> Tim and Sue on that. that yeah. Man of few words. but Right. Uh, he was, he was kind of reticent, but uh, he kept us in line. Def- definitely earned his keep on the production side. So, so it's yes, good to have you, Don. Don there and running the show. And we should mention that this is just the first part of part a two-part one. podcast. Yes, indeed, we've indeed. got more coming. What do we have to look forward to? Part two. Well, Sue shares with us about her podcast, The Island of Discarded Women. Outstanding and, show. Oh, yeah. We've listened to several. Fabulous. Wonderful work. It's, it's just a fantastic show. If you haven't heard it yet. Yes, check it out. Check it the out. Island it's of worth Discarded your time. Women. You'll really enjoy it. It's, it's a great show. And then uh, we tripped down memory lane with Tim. Uh, CCO Memories of WCCO. Indeed. Then we went way back to his memories of the cabin he went to as a boy on Lower Cullen Lake in Nisswa, Minnesota. Nisswa area. Beautiful spot. I really picked up from Tim. He loved that part of his, his history yeah. and just really loves to reminisce and at the same time reclaim as much of it as he can. Right. So we get to hear about that next time. Without a doubt. Sounds like a wonderful place. Nothing more near and dear to our hearts than cabin That's history right. stories. So. That's right. Well, you know, Fudd, during the last year of this, I'll just go ahead and say it, this COVID time, yes. you know, we all had plenty of time on our hands. and Some of us worked on podcast scripts and podcasts themselves. Right, some right. of us picked up musical instruments or paintbrushes or knitting needles or... What have you? We were talking with Anything. John Munson. He was talking about baking and baking, baking breads and cookies, building saunas. 
And in this case, uh, Tim Russell became kind of the, the maestro on the ukulele. Oh, yes. He decided, this is, this is my next venture, and we were lucky enough to have Tim write for us a reminiscent song about the great old days at Lower Cullen Lake. Yes. A ukulele ballad. So we are going to send off tonight our listeners with the musical stylings of Mr. Tim Russell and his favorite ukulele as he sings to us about his cabin. Thank you, Tim. Take it away. And we'll see you all next send time. Send us out. We'll see you next time on Cabin Country. Thanks again. I want to go back to my little log cabin in Nisswa, Minnesota. I want to talk with all the Olies and the Linas that I used to know. I can hear the outboard motors on their way to fish the bay. I can hear the hopeful anglers saying, If we don't catch nothing, we'll say the big ones got away. It won't be long before we board up the log cabin for the winter. It may look completely shuttered, but at least it gives the mice a place to stay. I'm just a Minnesotan and a homesick cabin boy. So give me one more weekend at the lake that I'll enjoy. I want to go back to my little log cabin in Nisswam, Minnesota. Where the crappies and the sunnies and the walleyes and the bass go swimming by. Where the crappies and the sunnies and the walleyes and the bass go swimming by. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.